Welcome to Standard of Care, the show where we pull up the black turtlenecks and show you the real life working in a design firm. We hope to explore the daily life of design professionals such as architects, interior designers, engineers, graphic designers, web designers, and so on. We want to investigate the value they bring to the creative projects in the world. Behind every creative output is a story that we would like to explore and discover how it came to be. Um, I'm Sinan. And I'm Jefferson. And this is Standard of Care. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to start your own side hustle firm and uh, what steps I've taken to do that. And uh, maybe it can help you guys as well. So stay tuned. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, everything from filing for your LLC and EIN, as well as uh, touch a little bit on insurance. We're going to talk a little bit about naming, uh, things to consider when picking a name for your firm, for your side hustle, whatever it is, uh, software, um, and take you all the way through landing your first client. That is going to be today's episode. All right, let's let's talk about things. Before we get to the fun part, let's talk about um, how to start a business legally on paper with the government, etc. So the first things you're going to want to figure out, um, besides a name, we'll get into that in a second, is uh, looking up with your Secretary of State, I'm talking about here in the United States, your Secretary of State to register your business name. Um, either as a sole proprietor or LLC. We've talked about that a little bit before in past episodes. Um, but, uh, you know, understanding those differences, um, physically going and filing the paperwork either online or in person. I believe most most of them are online now. Um, paying a small fee and getting, getting your uh, name registered. That's really... Uh, kind of the the first step is figuring that that part out. And legally, if you're allowed to do that or represent your yourself as an architect, that's based on your state's um, regulations from the governing board of architects. Oftentimes, it's lumped in with uh, interior designers, landscape architects, etc. Have specific rules about who can call themselves an architect and who cannot. Um, all states differ a little bit. And uh, who can who can practice architecture? Um, in some states, you can uh, do two units of or less of residential without a license, as long as you've got a, a licensed structural engineer reviewing and stamping your drawings. Uh, in some states, you can't do that. So first, figuring out legally how and and if you're allowed to. Uh, open a business, that's going to be kind of your first step. Um, The other thing that we're going to want to talk about here is uh, if you're operating as a sole proprietor, uh, any income is going to reflect as personal income and go on your tax return and be taxed at that individual rate. Um, If you're filing as an LLC, then uh, it's sometimes it functions as similarly to the sole proprietor. Uh, sometimes it's different. Sometimes you've got to file your own business taxes and then pass things through or pay yourself as an employee. There's all those sorts of things, but I'm not going to get into that. There's plenty of other websites or information that you can get into um, if you need advice on that. Obviously here, I'm not 
a business legal professional. So, you know, anything that I'm talking about, I'm talking about from my personal experience and should not be taken as legal or business advice. Um, I I suggest strongly that you seek out a professional for those things. Um, I'm just speaking of my personal experiences. Um, So let's, uh, let's jump into the next the next consideration here. Now that you've set up your business, you've selected a name. Once again, we'll get into that. Um, now you've got to think about your insurance. So insurance we've talked about in a previous episode uh, about the um, the B101. Talk, we talk about insurance requirements and things like that and what you should look for and what you should uh, think about for those those kinds of things, but it's, it's a must in most states to at least have general liability. And it's probably a good idea to at least consider professional liability, depending on uh, what sort of projects and how many you're going to do, if you can justify that additional cost. So what I did is I filed for an LLC uh, with my state And I also filed for an EIN, an employer identification number with the federal government so that uh, that's that's effectively your business's social security number so that you are insulated from um, business related uh, issues and and uh, things like that. So the next part that we're going to get into now is talking about naming. And considerations for that. Uh, you'll note that a lot of firms are either three letters relating to uh, names of their founders, um, or they are quite literally the name of their founder with architect, architects, associates, um, design, something like that after it, before it or after it, or some combination thereof. I'm going to tell you that that uh, while it sounds nice right now, if you are planning to build your firm into any sort of longevity, um, then you're you're going to want to consider something not related to your name. Uh, the reason being is when you transfer the power, uh, it it's got a consideration um, that you will not be in charge anymore. So what happens if, for instance, I have Sinan Architectural Design? Uh, also known as SAD, SAD. Uh, maybe that's also a consideration that if it gets shortened down to just letters, you want to pick pick something um, that maybe reflects the mood of your of your firm. Um, so maybe I wouldn't pick Sin and Architectural Design. How about that? But uh, anyway, it, let's say I pick that, um, and I'm I'm getting ready to retire. I've got some partners that uh, I've brought up through the ranks and they're looking to buy out my stake of the firm, they've got to consider uh, we've built up this brand known as Sin and Architectural Design. And, um, you know, what, what what's going to happen to that name if they don't have me, Sinan, anymore at the helm or even on staff? I'm retired, you know. Uh, what's going to happen to the name? Should they keep that? Could they keep that? As the owner and the namesake, Am I going to allow them to use my name if I don't have control of the company anymore? That's also a consideration. So that just further folds in why you may not want to uh, 
ha- use your use your name as something where if you've if you've got something like uh you know i don't know um design workshop i don't know i made that up i'm sorry if that's a real firm if if uh you use something like design workshop well you know that's anybody could be running that it it has further longevity to to pass on to new partners new owners new generations without having to consider uh a person as the the namesake and the face of the firm it could become anything it's often why large firms um you know the big guys have the letters because those namesakes aren't necessarily there they they still have the brand recognition they really put themselves behind those names that they don't want to to give that up and somewhat start over as far as their branding uh and marketing goes so they just convert to the letters um some other big firms they just say you know my name is synonymous with the brand and I'm going to let you use my name even after I retire. And that's kind of my legacy. My legacy is the name of that firm. And when they do great work, they do really good things. Then, um, then I'm, I'm still associated with that. The other consideration that comes out is what happened uh, a couple of years ago with the kind of me too movement. What happens if you're, um, namesake of the firm retires and some scandal comes out and now your firm is tied with that person and may not reflect the culture that you want to reflect anymore. So there's just a lot of considerations there that I would suggest steering away from naming your firm after yourself, a person, and looking for something more general and reflective of the culture that you perhaps want to project. So that's that's my two cents on naming. Um, that's also why I did not pick Sin and Architectural Design. I'm not going to tell you the name of my firm so that I can rena- remain anonymous here, but um, just know that I did not name it after myself. Perfect. Now you've got your name. You've set yourself up uh, with a legally with your LLC, however you wanted to do that. So what's next? The next thing here is to uh, to figure out how you're going to get put put in your initial investment. Uh, you know you're going to need to have your own computer equipment, software, uh, perhaps a website. You know some of those things can come later, like the website. But honestly, you're going to have to have your own computer and your own and your own software pretty much right away. So. Those are the next things that you're going to have to consider is what software you're comfortable with. How do you set up your own template? Um, you know, all of these things, you you cannot steal them from another firm and reuse them. That That's, uh, you know, intellectual property that belongs to another firm. You've got to develop your own from scratch. Uh, you you got to come up with your own logo, your own title block. All of these things... Um, are going to be a lot of initial startup time, a lot of sweat equity, not necessarily a lot of uh, a lot of money, but uh, it could easily get out of hand. So the way that I started is I I started with 
kind of an old computer that I had that would kind of barely run the software that I wanted. And I did the first couple of projects. We'll talk about how to get projects here in a minute. Um, I did this first couple of projects and just took the the profit, any of the money that came in off of those projects and immediately reinvested it into the company to start putting together a little bit better and faster computer, maybe a little bit better software, um, maybe some file storage that I needed, uh, tools, uh, other software, email addresses, domain names to start looking a little more legitimate than uh, just a Gmail address. Maybe you want your at um, design.com or personalized um, personalized uh, domain name or for for your email address. These are things that could come later. Really, the the first thing I think is getting yourself set up legally, having a solid name, and then trying to get work. Um, you know, once you kind of have the basic infrastructure, don't go spending a lot of money initially because that just increases your risk, uh, to, to, if it doesn't work out. Um, but you, you guys are smart. You'll, you'll figure it out. And I'm obviously here to help you learn from my mistakes and hopefully you'll do much better than I ever did. Um, not that I'm done yet, but, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get there much faster. Let's talk about freeware, uh, free software that you can use. Now, obviously these are not necessarily better or worse than the paid software. Some of them are just different or perhaps a little harder to use. Um, but this is where I started is what software and what things can I use for free? Uh, for instance, you know, Google Docs versus trying to pay for Microsoft subscription. Um, you know, the the free Photoshop, the GIMP editor, I forget what that one's called. Uh, those kinds of things perhaps are better uh, to start with. They lower your cost of entry and should be considered as well. At this point, I think you're pretty well set up and you're ready to start hunting for business. This is the secret sauce. This is what makes or breaks a business is marketing and business development. Um, marketing is more getting your name out there so that people understand what you do. And business development is developing those specific relationships that will get you projects. So one's a little wider net cast and um, the other one is more specific trying to bring in a, a specific project or something like that so the way that i started out uh is a way that a lot of businesses start not just architectural but otherwise uh family and friends is you know do you have somebody in your family looking to do a kitchen remodel a uh um uh, a small addition, whatever it is, build a build a cabin, maybe a kit cabin or something like that. Um, that would be a good starting point. They're going to be a little more patient with you while you learn more of the ropes and uh, begin to get your feet wet, if you will, for for doing these things. And um, 
and then your fee can be much lower because you're still learning. You're, you're, you can't demand um, full, you know, many thousands of dollars of fee yet because you're just starting out. So you're hungry, you want these projects, so you've got to do them for much less. Um, a couple of my first projects were for a few hundred dollars just because I wanted the project, I wanted the experience, and I wanted the portfolio builders. Um, looking back, I would, uh, where I am now, I would never charge that to somebody. It, it just wouldn't be worth my time anymore to do that. But at the time, it made a lot of sense. And a few extra hundred dollars was great. The uh, The loss of time and energy that went into it, though, paid off as far as um, building up my portfolio so that I could market myself for new and wider range of projects. Additionally, it's extremely important to do a really good job, to do the best that you can um, for the client, for the project. Really, really consider that the project and the client will be some of your first and some of your first referrals for a long, long time. Um, you know, it's it's going to be something that sticks with you for quite a while that, uh, that you never know what that client is going to be getting into next and when they may turn around and recommend you for something. Um, and, you know, that that's really the important part is serving, serving the client, um, that goes across the board. So yeah, that's, that's really your, your main focus starting out. Your first few projects, um, you, you want to stress that you're doing these to really build your portfolio. Obviously you don't need to necessarily tell that to your clients, but that's really what's in your mind. And you're going to start curating your uh, professional reputation or your firm's reputation uh, in the industry. This is where you really want to understand your value proposition. Do you want to be known as uh, the cheapest firm, the most efficient firm? What? Why? Why would somebody come to you over somebody else? You know, is it your innovative thinking and ideas, your sustainability, your um, uh, you know, your creative use of materials, you know, you're able to really blend additions to make them look like they were always part of the original house or always part of the original building. Um, you know, really what, what's going to be your niche here is going to be a very important long-term planning. Um, you know, where do you see yourself? Obviously it's going to be easier to start out family and friends with, uh, um, residential, but maybe you've got some friends and family with restaurants. So maybe that's going to kind of tailor your work to that. Um, or maybe not. It's, it's kind of what, what's your experience? What have you been working on in the past and how can you start to draw on your contacts to do that? Obviously you you can't steal clients away from your current uh, firm if you intend to continue working for them. So don't don't do that. That that's an easy way to get yourself fired. But um, 
you know, what, what other things can you branch into that perhaps your current firm doesn't do so that there's no conflict of interest. If you're going out on your own and not, uh, um, not staying with a day job, you're not, you know, you're not doing this as a side hustle, then maybe, um, the market is wide open for you to kind of go after clients. Just be aware that maybe you have a non-compete with your old firm. So again, do your research. This goes back to earlier in this episode. Do your research on what you you are or aren't allowed to do, not only with the state, but with your current employer or former employer may still have uh, long-reaching um, you know, uh, statutes, et cetera, to, to consider. So that's just uh, the next things that I would consider as you start to get your first clients. Let's talk about another way to get clients. So the other way that I started out getting clients is I was working for a very large firm and they specialized in uh, very large projects, public works, um, you know, all, or all sorts of things, but very large projects. They were a large firm, so they had quite a bit of overhead. And what would happen is uh, my desk was near the uh, receptionist's desk and uh, people would come in, just random people off the street would come in and say, hey, I, I Googled for a uh, architect and you guys popped up. I'm looking to do an addition on my house, a garage, a shed, a whatever. And I'm, I'm looking for someone that can help me with the architectural design and the permitting drawings. Um, and the firm said, Hey, look, you know, we would love to help you, but, um, we just don't think that we can make money on this. You know, we don't think that, uh, you can afford to have such a large firm with so much overhead and so many people, um, do that. And so as they were going to send those, those people away, um, I just said, Hey, why don't, uh, you and I talk in the hallway for a few minutes. And, uh, I kind of got their contact information and, um, talked to them outside of work hours. And that's how I landed a first few projects is just those people coming in and keeping an ear open for opportunities and jumping all over them when when the chance came um because i had always had kind of had in the back of my head maybe i want to do some residential some other stuff as well but um you know i at the time i didn't know how else to really get clients so uh in my case the clients came first and then i had to figure out all the other stuff so that's where i'm helping you guys by giving you the information that I wish I'd had uh, before I already had a client. And, um, you know, hopefully you can get the stuff set up first and then you can begin to market yourself and and land those clients. But you never know where uh, opportunities are going to come from. You've just always got to be ready and, uh, you know, looking for that hustle. You've got to be a hustler here. And part of that is recognizing an opportunity and taking a leap and being open and honest with your clients that look, um, I have limited experience doing this. However, I've done architecture for X amount of time and, um, I think I can help you. Let's, let's work out a deal. Obviously I'm not going to charge you full fee that someone that specializes in this would, but again, 
Um, this is curating your value proposition uh, that you can uh, come in at a lower price so that their expectations are perhaps a little bit lower and uh, uh, really serve serve their needs and at the same time build your portfolio as well as have uh, yet another reference, uh, you know, another person out there that may refer you to someone else, you know, their neighbors might see uh, their new addition and really love it and ask the neighbor, hey, who, who designed that for you? How did you get that done? I want one of those. And uh, they'll hand your card over and you'll get another project. That's happened to me multiple times um, that, that honestly it comes back to do good work and good work will come back to you. Before we finish up today's episode, don't forget that you can get in contact with us at uh, anchor.fm forward slash standard of care, or you can send us an email at podcastsoc at gmail.com. And uh, we hope that if you enjoy these sorts of episodes, you would um, drop us a line, tell us as such. And if there's topics that you would love to hear, again, uh, we would love to get that feedback from you. Uh, again, this is mainly just a passion project for uh, Sinan and Jefferson, myself and Jefferson. So um, if you would uh, let us know if you're enjoying it or, or even if you're not, um, we'd love to hear from you. So that wraps up today's episode. We've taken you through all the way through landing your first client. In the next episode, we're going to start touching on, uh, you know, things that you need to set up within your software um, you know, beginning conversations with your first client, how to uh, communicate properly. We're going to start talking about what to do after you get your first client. Um, I'm going to try and do these uh, as often as I can, but I, I can't promise anything because I am running uh, this firm as well. So uh, I hope to uh, talk to you again soon.